In partnership with Paizo, the No Direction Network welcomes you to our Gen Con online seminar coverage. And we're back. Welcome to Behind the Pages with Mark Moreland. I'm Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Perrin from the No Direction Network, and I'm joined by Vanessa Hoskins. Hello. Also from No Direction, Dustin Knight. Hi, Gen Con. And we're here with our very special guest, the director of brand strategy, the one, the only, Mark Moreland. Mark, it's so good to, uh, you know, finally get to talk to you again. It seems like we hardly get to have you on the podcast anymore. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I stopped uh, developing adventures and you guys just ghosted me. It was... Uh, I mean... Okay, I'm busy, I'm busy, I I understand you have... uh, you know your priorities with uh, other people doing much flashier work. So I'll, uh, I will let them have their time in the spotlight. I had I had a decade of it, so I, I'm happy to step step aside. Oh no, we love talking with you, Mark. We do. Yeah, no, and I'm always so, happy to be on the program. So what is? I know this is a new title for you. What is the director of brand strategy do? Um. Yes. Uh. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of, uh, I, I had been working for the last two years as franchise manager, um, where I, uh, according to um, LinkedIn, uh, apparently managed a KFC or something, because I, all of the, <laughs> I would get an email every day about the fast food restaurants nearby that, that needed new managers. Um, but uh, I was working uh, very closely with our licensees and uh, took a lot of the work off Eric Mona's plate. Mm-hmm. Um, who had sort of been managing a lot of those relationships and doing a lot of the approvals and things prior to that. And um, he felt um, confident enough in uh, my ability to sort of handle some of those with less oversight um, so that he moved me fully into this this director position uh, at, at the beginning of the year. And um, so as director of brand strategy, I sort of... Um, work with our creative teams, with our marketing team, um, to figure out sort of what is the long-term plan for uh, the Pathfinder brand, Starfinder brand, what we can do to increase engagement, to just improve the, um, you know, the, the brands and make them as, as uh, widely available and as high quality as possible um, uh, from a strategic standpoint, not just from a tactical um, you know, the uh, standpoint of, well, how can we sell the most copies of this one book? Um, it's more, more holistic and more sort of, I don't know, abstract. Well, has there that's, been, that's largely what I do. Has there been a particularly uh, fun use of the brand that you've been working on uh, the last year or so? Um, I mean, the biggest thing that, that I've personally been sort of advocating for and pushing is, is a return of fiction. Um, we, um, we published novels and web fiction and short, uh, short novellas, um, for years and years. Um, but that much like the comic industry right now, the, Mm -hmm. the fiction industry is just really in a state of flux. The, Mm -hmm. uh, distribution channels are breaking down. I mean, bookstores are just 
really like even even the big ones um i have trouble staying open these days um people are not necessarily buying print books and so that increases the you know the risk of have of printing physical books um it's just a much it's a much different um uh, economy or a, a marketplace than it, than it was even five ten years ago um so that's sort of been a struggle um but i've been doing um uh, I've sort of been spearheading the uh, return of web fiction to mm-hmm. the Paisel blog um, that I started with the um, uh, iconic encounters that we did to preview some of the new mm-hmm. um, class abilities and things of the iconics uh, starting last spring. Uh, so uh, yeah, we've been going about a year and a half on those. It's going pretty well. I've got some other ideas that it's just a, a question of whether we have the internal resources to pull them off or whether they're the, the best use of those resources um, from a, an overall standpoint. But um, yeah, I think that, I think that there's, there's really something to be said about being able to see examples of the types of stories that you can tell with, with our worlds or with our rules or, um, you know, with our characters. Uh, and so, um, so that's, that's really a big focus for me, but, but I have my hand in every cookie jar we've got. So. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of the other big uh, fiction places lately uh that we've really got to see a lot of the personality has been of course with uh kingmaker and and an owlcat have you were you heavily involved with that particular part of uh, the brand strategy yeah i mean that that license um you know that relationship started before i was in in this role i was still developing books um, when, uh, when we signed our deal with them and they started working on Kingmaker. Um, but I, uh, as franchise manager was heavily involved in going through the, um, you know, the text and sort of approving the storylines and side quests and, and character portraits, things like that for Kingmaker. Um, and then, uh, once that was as big of a success as it was, uh, both in terms of, of, critical reception as well as as uh, sales um, and they started working on wrath of the righteous um, i had a much closer hand in sort of planning out the the game from the start and sort of working with them on what changes will you make what advice can we give on how to you know adapt this i know that the wrath of the righteous campaign has um some elements that didn't quite work the way we wanted in the tabletop version and so mm-hmm. Uh, we were able to really work closely with them to say, hey, here's what we learned uh, over the six months we were publishing this and in the years since that we've gotten feedback from people. Um, so it was, uh, I, I've been very involved in that. And where I'm still getting, um, you know, side quest plot summaries and and um, character portraits and uh, they'll, they'll send me uh, auditions of the voice actors. Like, oh, which which of these two you know, do you like best for this character? And uh, it's always fun to sort of get a little sneak peek behind the scenes of what's going to happen uh, with the game, because ultimately when it comes out, I'm going to spend hundreds of hours playing it. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's, it's sort of cool to then when, when that, uh, <laughs> when the, when the game comes out to be able to say, I know who that voice actor is because I helped pick them out of a panel of four. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I was really excited. Were you surprised as well when I got to interview Alcat? Um, just how like 
humongously nerdy Pathfinder fans they were. And like, oh, yeah. when I interact with some of your brand partners, you know, like I expect them to be enthusiastic and know a bit about the topic they're talking about. I didn't expect to be like arguing the finer points of the next Geb conflict with them, like I was with Alcat. <laughs> yeah, no, they. I mean, that's part of why we went with them in the first place. I mean, when they came to us, I think it was at Gen Con. Um, I don't even know what year because I, they didn't come to me, but I think they, they basically asked for a meeting with Lisa and they said, Hey, look, here's a demo of what we put together. This is your Kingmaker adventure path. Can we get a license to actually finish this game and release it? Mm-hmm. Um, they were so, uh, it, they were so knowledgeable about our world, about our campaign, about the mechanics of our game. Um, that that type of passion is, it's really hard to say no to someone who's both got the skills to, to pull off a, a, a really fun professional game, um, but who also just loves the work that you do. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah they're, they are up there. They certainly play more Pathfinder than, than we do. Um, you know, I think they, they're like, we have four office campaigns that are each playing, uh, you oh, know, yeah. different a- APs. And I'm like, four? How do you, what? How do you have time to make a video game? Um, but they do, so yeah. I don't know. Yeah, when I was talking with their, their CEO, they said it was a requirement if you were working on the uh, campaign. Not only yeah. that you had to be in a campaign playing through it or have already played through it, but you have to participate in at least one weekly office game that they have. Yeah. I mean, that's nuts. But... Yeah, and they... and they uh, Makes sense, though. And yeah. some of the people who are writing, you know, I, I, as far as I understand it, they sort of divide up the companions among their mm-hmm. writers mm-hmm. so that one person is writing the bulk of one character um, just for voice consistency and, and um, just oh, labor. And uh, that some of them actually play those characters through the game. And so they're able to really wrap their head around what this character would do because they're not just sitting in a, you know, a cubicle writing their dialogue. They're spending hours every week playing that character and then being able to, to really say, Oh, I know what, I know what Lindsay would do mm-hmm. in this situation or what knock knock mm-hmm. would do or whatever. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, yeah, Octavia would definitely have this reaction to the situation. Exactly. Yeah. Or this is the reaction that I had when we had right. this encounter mm-hmm. uh, in the game. And so uh, that's always, that's always fun to, um, to see. And, and I've, I haven't gotten as much time to play through the wrath of the righteous uh, alpha mm-hmm. that they've got out now uh, for um, people who backed it at a certain tier in their Kickstarter. Um but the little bit that I have played is amazing. Like some of the stuff, the depth that they're going into and exploring some of the moral um, gray areas that that campaign hinted at, but ne- didn't necessarily have the room mm-hmm. to um, really explore on a, an individual character level in print. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're going into such uh, depth on that uh, that just in the, the one chapter that I played, um, through on on in the alpha it's it should be really good i'm really excited about that and then of course kingmaker is coming to consoles in yeah. just a few weeks um i believe it's so cool. the 18th um of uh of august uh that'll be out on uh, xbox one and ps4 and uh that'll have uh the 
the implementation of their turn-based mm -hmm. combat option, um, right. which will also then um, port back to the PC version and the Mac version that, that is currently out right. on Steam yeah. and, and, yes. uh, and GOG and everything. So yeah. I'm playing that game with that with the turn-based mod, and they've actually brought that modder in to work with them on mm -hmm. the, uh, the versions that they're going to be rolling out. That's actually really revitalized the game. I played through once with, without it, and you know it was a fantastic game. It played like Baldur's Gate. But then mm -hmm. with that mod, it feels so much like I'm just playing my weekly Pathfinder game. Oh, the mod is a must-have. I, I had a similar experience where I was playing it and has, I was having fun. But as soon as I put that turn-based on, I was addicted to that game. I'm like, I am going to play this. Right. And to hear Every that it's... moment, yeah. And here, here it's coming to the official version of the game and it's mm -hmm. going to be in Wrath of the Righteous. Just made me do a little dance when we got to mention that on the podcast. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's, so there's... smart. Yeah, there's other stuff that they're doing with uh, with Wrath of the Righteous that that um, mm -hmm. is really exciting. Like being able to rotate the camera is oh. a thing in Wrath that they did. <laughs> That's do good. In in uh, Kingmaker, which is which is fun. Um, the you know, so a lot of little things um, that mm -hmm. I think um, just because they were designing an engine at the same time they were putting out the first game there mm -hmm. were some things that they just didn't have the resources to do without the game taking an extra year to make um right. so uh it's nice to see mm -hmm. them being able to build on what they did with kingmaker with wrath and really up their game um i mean quite literally uh and <laughs> uh and uh and then it, to be able to port some of that stuff back to Kingmaker um, is also really cool because a lot of developers would have just said, well, that game came out three years ago. We're not, we're, we're done. We're not, we're not working on it anymore. Um, but for them to, to, you know, to continue um, mm -hmm. uh, adding features uh, to it, I think is, is really great for the community. Well, not well, only that, but I, I like that they were working with the original mod team, right? So many times you see games that have a rich uh, mod culture and mod community, and someone comes up with a fantastic idea, and then the main developer basically takes that idea and creates their own version of it, uh, but doesn't really look back to the mod community and say, hey, thanks for letting us know this was possible or something people wanted. Um, I'm looking at a certain post-apocalyptic franchise. I don't know uh, what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> but you Alakai was the righteous. That's post-apocalyptic, right? Oh, yeah, sure. totally. Yeah, but um, yeah. I, no, I mean, Alakai is, Al is yeah. They're, they're working with them. They're like, hey, your code's yeah. great. Work with us. Yeah, and they're such a small team to begin with that um, I think part of it is just just pragmatism of like, oh, we want to add this feature. Here's someone who has already done all this work. Here's someone who's already had their their version tested by thousands of players worldwide who've mm -hmm. found all the little intricate intricate bugs that we're not going to have time to to find because we're working on a second game now or mm -hmm. we're working on porting our game to console, which is its own oh gosh, uh, you know, monumental yeah. task. Especially for a uh, you know this style of game, mm -hmm. um, you, mm -hmm. they they had to redesign the UI from the ground up to be controller compatible, which is no easy task. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's they, they recognize good work when they see it, um, and uh, I think that being able to to build on what was already there instead of starting from scratch is sort of their mo i mean that's what they're doing with wrath of the righteous mm -hmm. is rather than start a brand new game um or do it with second edition rules where they'd have to go back and redesign the the architecture under but you know behind the scenes of the game uh they they're going with what 
what they've already got. And so mm -hmm. I, I really like that, um, that philosophy. It seems to work well for them and, and produces um, one really good game and another one's on the way. Well, speaking of what seems to be working well for you all, uh, you all have released a slew of accessories and, and, and also some more accessories that you've just announced with some partners like Beatles and Grimm. Can you, mm -hmm. can you walk us uh, through a little bit of the things that are uh, available now that or available soon that people playing the tabletop RPG can use to make their game just a little more rich? Yeah. Um, so... Let's see. Yeah, you mentioned Beetle, Beetle and Grimm's. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we just announced on Thursday um, mm -hmm. our partnership with them. Uh, fan, uh, RPG fans likely know their platinum campaign boxes that they do for um, for D&D's uh, various campaigns. Um, uh, they came to us and basically said, hey, we want to work with you guys on Starfinder and Pathfinder. Um are you open to that? And we were like, yes, I, we want, we want all the props. We want all the, you know, handouts. We want all the, all the stuff that has made their, their platinum um, campaign boxes. So, uh, so amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and they were like, no, 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 we don't, we don't want to do that with you guys. We are, we're already doing that. We have this other idea and we want to, <laughs> we want to see what you guys think about that. And they, um, you know, they proposed this, uh, these, uh, uh, complete character chronicles, um, mm -hmm. which, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about. I mean, we've done our, um, our extended, uh, character sheet, uh, folios and, uh, there's, you know, obviously all sorts of player, um, journals out there. Um, but this one is just such a, a cool blend of that in-world flavorful graphical stuff that they do in their platinum um campaigns combined with a rules reference just for the class you're playing plus that journal that it seemed like it it just would would really i mean i i want i want one for all of my characters yeah um, yeah and you know not that i have time to play my characters but um <laughs> i you know, I tell myself like, oh, I'll just, I'll just get one for that character that I played in that campaign, and I'll go back and I'll fill everything in later. You know, I'll, I'll remember what happened. Um, but that's actually one of the cool things about these is, you know, if you're playing a character, you anticipate um, playing a character for a long time, and obviously everyone anticipates playing their character for much longer than they often end up playing their character. But um, you know, when when you're committing to to do a six part AP, uh, unless you're running you know, six hours every week um, or multiple days a week, you're going to be in that campaign for a year or two at least. Mm. Um, and uh, that's a long time to spend with a character, but it's also a lot of details that you forget. You know, I, I played through the Savage Tide adventure path before Pathfinder was even a thing and loved my character, loved the other players I played with, but there's little details that I, I, I know I had a, you know, a, a companion, you know, I had a cohort. Uh, what was her name? I, I couldn't tell you what her name was, you know, like I, that level of stuff. Um, it, it's, it's cool to just to know as you go along that you have a place to keep it. That's not just 
a little notebook that's going to get lost in a drawer or a closet somewhere that's a nice book mm-hmm. um it's yeah it's it's, it's yeah. a really exciting thing and and uh, i know a lot of people have said well what if your character dies i'm like well yes that's a possibility <laughs> but um and maybe i'm you know revealing my own weakness here but as a gm if i see that a player has invested time and money into their character and really getting into that character i'm much less likely to arbitrarily have that character die because i goblin crit at the wrong time or something exactly you know i i play the game for the stories and Mm -hmm. for um for that that collaborative narrative uh, back and forth and while i definitely like that that element of danger of yeah, you rolled a one on your save. Sorry. Um, I also recognize that it, it doesn't always make for the best stories to have a character die non-heroically, you know, on the first floor of the dungeon before they get to the big bad who's two floors up. Um, you know, so uh, I think that, you know, if you're if you're really into your character and you talk to your GM and you just say, hey, I'm going to spend X amount of money or I'm, I'm going to dedicate an hour after every session keeping this journal for this character. You know, can we can we just sort of un- have an understanding that <laughs> that that, yes, my character can die, but that that part of the reward for putting in that effort is that your character gets to have a longer, richer story. Um, So now everyone wants to play in my game because they're like, if I keep a journal, my character's invincible. Um, No, but you might remember (laughs) to give them a hero point a little more often. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Oh, certainly. I mean, you, and that's something you've literally I've invested done. in the character. So you yeah. kind of don't want yeah. that to get away. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, both as as a person whose job it is to come up with brand strategy as well as someone who's played at many tables um you want to reward people for the for for good behavior and for good um engagement with the story with the adventure with the brand um so if someone is is putting in that effort and they are committing to to say no this is my character i'm all in um you know reward them for that and not sure. just by you know yeah. Uh, giving them a hero point here and there, mm-hmm. but also allowing them to have that experience of playing their character for 16 levels or however, you know, like, like that, is, that's a reward in itself. And, and, um, you know, just, just get them to dying too many, many <laughs> times, but don't, but don't ever, you know, d- d- you'll pull your punches when you need to. That's right. that's well, my philosophy on it, but um, you know, obviously, there's GMs out there going, "No, I have to kill the PCs." So you do you. I like well, what you I, said. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I find that when the whole party, uh, when there's more invest, the more investment you have in accessories, the more physical uh, reminders you have that the campaign's ongoing. Oh yeah, you just seem to have a lot less uh, broken up sessions, or I can't make it this week. You seem to have a lot. Uh, the campaign seems a lot more stable when you have all mm-hmm. those physical reminders just sitting on your bookshelf. Like, oh yeah, yeah. I got to remember to set time yeah. aside to and, play that. My GM and when made you a have giant a- map. Yeah, when you have a double-sided piece of paper that can easily get buried under all of your, you know, mail or that, you know, is just gets lost in your backpack or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it's easy to not 
consider that important because it's just lost among the detritus of your life. But um, ain't that the truth? <laughs> but when you have like a cool character folio and like this folder, like the the folder has a shiny cover with you know glitter on it, it's harder to get buried under stuff because you're gonna see it even even if your mm-hmm. bills are on top of it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, or it's it's going to stand out in your backpack because it's waterproof. And so when you spill stuff, it's the thing that lasts or, you know, whatever. Like uh, it, it, when you have the, the your your little deck of your, all of your spells and your um, item cards and things like that, that's just more yeah. weight that you're giving to that character, both mm-hmm. actually literally in terms of what you have to carry to a con, um, but, <laughs> but also just in terms of your investment in them as a as a fictional entity. Well, speaking yeah. of though, you said spell cards, I, I just want to segue into those because those are fantastic. Uh, I, I know that I'm, I'm like waiting to get my boxes of them. And I, I think it's a fantastic way to do it because at low levels, like you might even have just a couple cantrips and a couple first levels. But as soon as you start getting like third level spells, fourth level spells, your spell repertoire becomes so great that yeah. keeping track of all the individual rules yeah. can be a little overwhelming. I love the idea that I've got this stack of cards. It's like, all right, here's, here's everything I know. And here's yeah. all the rules right in front of me. And it's, it's, uh, I've never had that problem with a spontaneous caster, mm-hmm. but with a wizard or a cleric or a druid oh, yeah. who has access to literally any spell that they, they want, um, mm-hmm. it, it can be really overwhelming um, and hard to remember on a day-to-day basis, mm-hmm. which spells you have prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, and so with the cards, you can do, you know, okay, today I have this stack of cards and these are the ones I prepared mm-hmm. and whether you put, you know, uh, a, a paper clip on each one for each preparation, if you, you know, if you're going to prepare heal four times, because <laughs> why wouldn't you, um, well. y- you know, you, you some type of way to remember with that single card. So you don't have to buy four copies of the deck. Although if you want to, we will sell <laughs> you four copies. Yeah, I mean, it's um, prep. It probably surprises no one that I am a huge proponent of spell cards. And one of yeah. the other, and not just for not just for us, like people who are super familiar with this game, like the biggest reasons that I developed uh, my own that for old first edition. I'm so glad you saved me the work for doing it for second edition. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you've all have released these. Is that new players, especially as I'm trying to teach second edition, having oh, yeah. the, the cards for the pre-gens or their characters available just mm-hmm. helps them just yeah. really grasp what could be one of the more intimidating parts of the game. Yeah. And you're all like big old boxes, which by the way, kudos on making those boxes big enough to put sleeves on the cards in the yeah. boxes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I don't know if you could sleeve the entire set. Oh, you can. Really, have you? I'm sure you did. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure that they looked into that when they were when they were figuring out how big the boxes mm-hmm. should be. But that was always sort of uh, the thought: is you know, if someone is spending the money on this for their character, we want to make sure that it's not inconvenient for them mm-hmm. to take care of this product that we put a lot of work into. That. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we want to make it easier for you to use our product, not afraid to use it because you don't want to, you know, break the flimsy box or 
Scratch um, the card or exactly. Yeah. exactly. And if you want to sleeve your cards, you you certainly got got the ability to do that, and mm -hmm. that's that was always sort of built into the into the plan of, mm -hmm. um, you know. I, I know I like to keep all my stuff in pristine condition. Mm -hmm. I imagine a lot of gamers are similar. I've met some gamers who definitely do not care. Um, <laughs> but um, but if you don't care, that's again, that's up to you. We want to make it easy for the people who do care uh, mm -hmm. about keeping their stuff nice that that we produce high high production value stuff. Well, uh, well that let them let them maintain that. Also, when they're in sleeves, uh, you don't even need the paperclip. You can just borrow the GM's uh, wet erase markers. That's and true. Them. Yeah, that's true. Until you rub rub your hand across the card, and then you're like, uh, "How many times did I have that?" Prepared? That's why I said wet erase. Wet erase. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> then you can just lick uh, your thumb and just wipe one off. Yeah. No, that's true. Yeah. that's true. And then you then you go home with your like orange thumb from your. If I uh... don't go home from a game <laughs> with full Technicolor <laughs> hands, I didn't try hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. No, it's. Yeah, so we see a lot of people in, a lot of people in chat are asking about the future for the line because yeah having all the core rulebook spells are nice but i'm sure you all are gonna release a lot more spells like in this giant no, that's hardcover you just no released more, no more spells oh okay didn't, didn't you guys hear we're, we're, we're this is it we're, oh yeah we're, yeah I, that was right you all like, that, that, that is the that is the narrative <laughs> on second edition you all hate wizards yeah it's true <laughs> it's true i mean we did want it to feel like pathfinder um so uh you know we just we just switched from hating marshals to hating wizards this time awesome yeah so no marshals again okay got it I, I think it's it's certainly a reasonable assumption that we will keep this going with additional um mm -hmm. additional cards um it's the type of thing that i could see us and and i say this as a possibility we don't at least as far as I know, um, have this in, in the works, but we could do it as like a promo thing, you know, like uh, I could see down the road doing like a, a adventure box set that is like, hey, here's your adventure. Here's the new spells that you can learn in this adventure as cards. Here are the, the uh, bestiary battle cards for the new monsters in this. And you get all those together in one thing. Mm -hmm. um, the, the idea with these is to give people the baseline tools to sort of build the, that, mm -hmm. that type of immersive experience themselves if they, if they want to. Um, but there's nothing that would stop us from doing that down the road mm -hmm. with, you know, very specific things or to do, you know, say we were to do a whole book that was themed on magic. I, if we were, it would totally be secret. No, <laughs> no overt <laughs> reference to any non-secret magic uh things but uh like say we did a book that was all full of spells and other magic stuff it stands to reason that we would support it with things that the community has already told us they like um so Great. hold so, us to that and the other thing that you've been really helpful with putting tangible reminders in front of players are these these lovely little campaign coin uh, hero points oh that gosh, um, have basically been a, the obsession since uh, since you all announced these? Uh, I love my little goblin alchemist one from Pazocon, the full set. Mm -hmm. I've got like kingmaker ones on the way. Uh, v, you are also obsessed, have right? We have we I shown am so off crazy? The, have we shown off the art of the kingmaker one? I don't know. I, I do don't like know. It. We definitely I have haven't seen it yet. Yeah. We've definitely seen it um, from campaign coins. Okay. Uh, 
I'll have to look and see whether we've shared that out at all. I mean, mm-hmm. we also did, you know, admittedly just mm-hmm. um, just uh, announce that that Kingmaker is not going to be done and out by the end of this year, mm-hmm. um, as we had originally hoped. So it may be premature for us to start building up hype for the Kingmaker accessories. Um, but they certainly like among the many things we're working on with getting those products out are the accessories. And so mm-hmm. we've already got the, the full sculpt and some of the, the initial um, uh, product samples for the Kingmaker coin from campaign coins. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, that's one of the many moving parts on that. So I'll mm-hmm. see what we can do about, about showing that off. Cause it is nice. Oh, I do. I hope to see that soon. Yeah. I mean, and, and with the, with the campaign coins, this is something that we, um, not campaign, uh, yeah, campaign coins makes them the, mm-hmm. with the uh, hero point coins. Uh, this is something that 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 I wanted to to do back when I ran Pathfinder Society uh, a decade ago was some type of collectible thing that had a tangible in game effect that you mm-hmm. could get for playing the game. Um, and at the time, we wanted to do like. Uh, trading cards you know basically spell cards essentially but uh for um boons so that you go to a convention and you draw a card (laughs) from the deck and that's that's your boon um but we ran into some issues where because someone would be getting a single card that we would need to then have the OGL printed on each card. Um, and it just became oh. a huge logistical oh, yeah. nightmare that what that wasn't worth us going down because of some of the, the hoops we have to jump through in order to, to use OGL content. Um, Gosh, Dustin, bin cards would be a great idea, wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Boon cards would be a fine idea. <laughs> I still have to make uh, boon cards for the multi-table chronicles that I didn't want to spoil it for yeah, myself. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> so with the coins, when uh, uh, campaign coins came to us and they were like, "Hey, you know, we've we we want to do more with you." They had been doing pins with us for years and years. They were like, "Do you have examples of in-world currency that we could make coins mm-hmm. from?" Corvosa or whatever and we were like mm-hmm. yeah we do but we also have this thing that is a meta coin mm-hmm. and what if we did them in limited batches to commemorate different releases or whatever um to make people want to c- gotta catch them all and they were like <laughs> that sounds interesting um and turns out gamers like to collect things that oh. are in limited yeah. supply or uh, mm-hmm. limited editions and i have to tell you i i know i'm a tech nerd i know i'm a gaming nerd i never thought i would be a coin collecting nerd so <laughs> you're welcome valoros silver coin did i what did you get the silver valoros coin no no it's no <laughs> it's because we did a poor job of letting people know about it so like two years ago um, we had someone who makes like high end, oh. like silver minted coins. I remember these. Approach us and say, "Hey, we'd like to make Pathfinder coins." Um, oh my gosh! Yes. And yeah. Uh, yeah, so if if the campaign coins have you know the hero point coins have turned you on to collecting Pathfinder coins, there is a very nice Valoros coin that you could buy dozens of i'm sure and you know that way when the you know 
the the apocalypse comes and and uh, it's all about what precious metals we own you will have uh your own supply of silver that uh is blessed by caden kalian excellent so uh, i guess i'm buying this so TRDG is uh, asking when the hit point ca- cards are going to come out because evidently we're uh, making accessories for every stat in the game now. It's true. It's true. Yeah, no, we're going to have saving throw cards. I, <laughs> no, I, uh, at, at this point, we don't have hit point car- cards coming quite yet. Um, I know personally I have shoeboxes full of like basic lands from magic that you can <laughs> probably use for hit points and just rip one up every time you take a hit point of damage and run out. Yeah, I think uh, they make hero points. Like, like think of card hollow like at 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 Meat Space Gen Con. Like oh. that's what my guest room looks like at this point. Um are so, you gonna reenact card hollow? Like get that no, on film for us? No, my cat would not permit me to build <laughs> type of uh even temporary structure out of my cards. Uh, um, oh. TRG is correcting me. He's talking about the hero point cards. Oh, the, okay. Yes, uh, those are on the uh, those are on the schedule. Those are those are coming out. Uh, let me look and see if I mm-hmm. actually have the date for those. I'm not sure the schedule I have on my computer goes that far. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well, I, those I, are February 2021. Yeah, I was gonna say it's it's early next year. I, I the schedule I have pulled up here is only through the end of 2020, mm-hmm. so I don't I don't know the exact month, but but February sounds about right. Yeah, I mean those we'll see how those those do. Um, that was something that um, someone on the design team, uh, I want to say Liz or Mark, um, but in, inevitably now that I've said them it was someone else um uh, proposed at just like a product pitch you know we had a big brainstorm and it was like hey guys we have all these slots for uh for accessories for the next uh year mm-hmm. what do and uh they proposed those and some of us were like but can't you just use the coins like why do we need a deck for that and they're like no 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 we've got a great idea and we said all right we trust you so um uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what those do, but um, I, my understanding is that they're going to sort of be like the plot twist cards or the crit hit and fumble Ooh. deck, where they add a little bit of randomization in terms of the uh, extra effect that's sort of a rider on what you hmm. already expect the hero mm-hmm. point to do. So that maybe when you spend this hero point, it also heals you five hit points, or you know maybe when you do this one, it also gives you a bonus on your reroll, or I. I don't know. We'll see what they do. Um, whatever it is, I'm sure it'll be cool. But uh, uh, any any work that's gone into those has not run across my desk yet, so I can't speak to them too much. So speaking of something we've seen run across desks lately and, and, and break them potentially, uh, you've been working with uh, whiz kids lately. Yeah. And there's yeah. um, on some fun minis. Uh, I got my promo mini, uh, the Gen Con promo mini in the mail. Which, which figure did we send as the it promo? It was the uh, cadet, the uh, the Absalom okay. Guard cadet, an alt okay. paint of that, which was really okay. cool. Uh, Dustin, you have it nearby, don't you? Yeah, I have it right here. Yeah, see? I don't know if that it's will just wonderful. be wonderful. Yeah, it's Is that the half-work one? I don't... I, we uh, did so many, we no, so many variants of that. It's the like, human, I think. Those. It looks human. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the one with the 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 darker skin, though, right? Right. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, like maybe they're they're Kelashite or uh, Vudrani. Yeah. 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 Um, 
that was one of the nice things we were able to do with this set was um uh, because the the look of the the characters were so defined by their uniform, mm-hmm. and um, Wizkids has gotten really good at doing variants both within the the main mm-hmm. randomized set and as promos, uh, where we could just say, no, these three figures are all wearing the same armor, but this one's a half orc and this one's a white human and this one is a brown human, and now you've got three minis from one sculpt um, that we can. Do uh, stuff it, with just just to allow people to have a little bit more representation at their table. It also really helps as a GM for players to be able to be like, I attack the half orc or I attack the human rather than if you're using. Them Why would you do monsters. that? Why would you attack a human? That human never did anything to you. I mean, maybe the history no, of lost no. omens tells me otherwise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, it's, attack the otiug, hug the human, hug, hug the, the otiug. <laughs> Otiug will try and hug you. Um, <laughs> oh, really quick update on the Valero silver coin. I have just purchased one, and it'll be <laughs> oh, how much? How much was it? I bought it on eBay. Oh, okay. Uh, it's supposed to still be new in sleeve or whatnot, and it was yeah. They come. It comes in like a little um, plastic. Yeah, it's like a little. It looks like a, almost like a clamshell. You'd get a, a video uh, um, cassette yeah. in or something, but it will definitely stay in there. <laughs> Not going to be throwing that into the you chest gotta, with you the other hero point it. coins. You got to bite it when you get it, like they do in all the pirate movies. Well, it's silver, it so be it's real gold. silver. Arr. It's gold. <laughs> That's why you would bite into a gold piece to make sure. It's I don't know. Pirate. I've never had a gold piece in my hand, so I can't say oh, what okay. I would do with it. Just so, the chocolate ones, and I definitely bite into those. Yeah. Well, uh, oh, uh, if people are looking to buy more right now, the Gen Con 2020 discount stacking with the Paizo Plus uh, subscription discount, uh, you could get a case of minis for like 88 bucks. And no, a, a brick fantastic. of minis. A brick. A brick. I was going to say, there's minis. no way you can get a case no. of minis. A no, brick no. of minis. Sorry. Unless <laughs> unless there's something wrong with our web store in which for our, for our own benefit, I need to let them know so they can fix because uh, yeah. <laughs> no. we're losing money on minis. That's not in our best interest. Um, no. But speaking of minis, uh, in the opposite. What in the world? How did the gigantic goblin come to be? <laughs> Where does any goblin come to be from? And, you know, um, <laughs> No, legend says that when the four goblin hero gods, um, that it was their blood that fell on the rocks and that those became the first goblins. Is that what you meant? No. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> the, yeah, so that that's actually something that we've we've wanted to do with them for years and years. Um, mm-hmm. Since before I started working at the company, like when I started at Paizo, um, it was like, so what's what's what are all the secret projects that people are working on? And it was like, well, we'd really like for WizKids to do us a life-sized goblin. It was like, okay, it only took us 10 years to do it. But, um, you know, like I remember my, you know, my first Gen Con seeing that like life-size troll that used to be at the Watsi booth. And they had mm-hmm. like the, the life-size beholder and stuff. I mean, it's a thing that, Mm-hmm. that uh, other other game companies have done for years sort of as like props at their booth. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had thought, well, at the very least, we can get a goblin made and people can use it as a photo op and get a picture taken of it next to the, um, at the booth and, and everything. Um, but uh, about 
a year and a half ago, two years ago, um, WizKids sort of did a uh, reorg of how they they structured their operations, and um, they brought on a guy, Patrick, um, who uh, he basically runs the the RPG minis or the RPG category, um, and so. Uh, having someone who's really like focused on that uh, has meant that we've been able to, to move forward on a lot of initiatives that had sort of been waiting in the wings that WizKids didn't have a dedicated person to sort of see across the finish line. And this is one of those um, where we were like, hey, Patrick, there's a thing that we've wanted to do for a long time. What do you think? And he said, yeah, that sounds awesome. And he did it. Um, and so... Yeah, it's just one of those things of they were like, well, send us some reference art and we'll see what we can do. And so I picked out a goblin that I thought would make a cool life-size standee and I uh, emailed it to him and uh, we got some concept art and I I said, that mm-hmm. looks great. Let's see what we can do. And just a- every month or so, we would get an update on this project that quite frankly, I thought that I thought that was just sort of in this exploratory um <laughs> Mm-hmm. A realm where it was like, well, let's see if we can do it. And then at one point they were like, please approve this for production. And we were like, what do you, what do you mean approve? You mean like you want to start designing it? And they were like, no, we, we want to, we want to make hundreds of these. So <laughs> let, let us know whether this is good. And, uh, and we were like, yeah, that's very good. Um, yeah. So it's, we're still sort of amazed by it, but um, uh, there are, it seems to have been well received enough both by mm-hmm. uh, people internally of like this actually like this is what we wanted it to be mm-hmm. um, and from fans who've seen it or um, seen pictures of it uh, that uh, that will probably be making more life size. Good. Because I'm things. looking forward to like, you know, a life size Valros or Setiel soon. Oh, okay. that's so. As much as a lot of people would like life-size Celtiel, um, just to rub their hands on his his smooth half-elven bare chest, um, remember that the goblin, the three-foot-tall goblin, is four hundred and fifty dollars. Okay. Yeah. But you said troll and and beholder earlier. Yeah, they made one of each of them, (laughs) (laughs) and then they kept them. (laughs) <laughs> I think those are actually at Watsy HQ right now. Like you walk into their lobby and there's a giant dragon. Um, that's because they probably paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for that for a Gen Con years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Why should we keep the goblin all to ourselves? You know, like that, that's sort of that's one of the nice things about doing it with a partner like WizKids um, is that they can not only make the quality that we would want of a photo op prop for our booth but mm-hmm. they can make it on a scale that admittedly it's still hundreds of dollars it's, it's mm-hmm. not for everyone but right. for the people that that want it for a game store that wants to have it as a decoration um mm-hmm. they can buy it through distribution at, at a much lower uh rate than what it retails at mm-hmm. um you know for the collector who's got extra room in their house for a three foot you know pyromaniac mm-hmm. um by all means, bring that into your home. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. Um, right. It's just, just great to be able to get this thing that we always sort of thought in our head was going to be like, there will be five of them and we'll have one at the booth at Gen Con and one at the Paizo office and one at Lisa's house. And, you know, like, <laughs> and, now, 
and now like i don't even know what their print run is on it but basically anyone who wants one of these will will have an opportunity to get one which is right. more than we ever imagined there could be for it so and i think cool. that's great yeah and it's super convenient that i'm not having to pay for a gen con hotel room this year right <laughs> we not tell you about the the goblin statue uh, lottery that you're gonna have to do oh good um, lord <laughs> i mean i wrote a pearl script to win the last few but it, it, i don't know how i'm gonna get it to work for goblins right now wait you're using scripts you you've been uh gaming the system there uh Karim? i mean maybe not maybe maybe i'm not gonna say any more about that on live tv okay. uh but uh, yeah so we're not. going to uh <laughs> so what i do want to know is when you're using this life-size goblin, how am I going to be able to use it at my Gen Con games considering they're virtual tabletop? That's up to you. Well, I'm at Gen Con right now. I mean, right. I'm at Gen Con 2019. Yeah, so am I. Right. So am I. Everyone right. is waiting to get in the door. Badge. Oh, they're waiting uh, a very long time. <laughs> I know. They're, they're, being very, they're not social distancing, are they? Um, <laughs> there's not a lot of that at Gen Con. Um, uh yeah, I, I mean, th that's one thing that we've sort of learned uh, over the years is that whenever we try and do something that may be really cool, um, mm -hmm. but that doesn't have an in-game application, um, the audience for it is much smaller. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we did like a, uh, with, with our partners at Dynamite, um, we did a, a Sioni statue um, that's like one sixteenth scale or one tenth scale or something like that. And... Um, it looks great. I mean, it's an incredible sculpt. I've got it. I've got it on display mm -hmm. next to all of my um, Marvel chess pieces. Um, but it, uh, it, you can't do anything with that at the table. And so I think that there's there's always going to be that audience of of uh, players or GMs who say, "That's cool. I like Sioni, but is it worth me spending two hundred dollars on a Sioni um, statue?" when I could spend $200 on, uh, a, you know, a few bricks of minis that I can actually use at my table. And mm -hmm. so it's about finding that balance between what's a cool collector's item or what's a cool mm -hmm. art piece and what's something that someone can use at their table. And I think that the, the, uh, the life-size goblin is certainly something that would be difficult to use at your table, but people LARP. So... I mean, the I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there will be people who will come up mm -hmm. with stats for what this thing <laughs> is, you know, like uh, the, the Kaiju Kaiju uh, version of the, the goblin. Um, but I mean, yeah, like, I mean, we're, we're all trying to figure out what we're going to do with, with online, mm -hmm. um, online mm -hmm. gaming and releasing accessories for that. <laughs> yeah. But one of the things that you have been working out with your partners to make sure they can use it games here, especially here at Gen Con Online, is the various partnerships you all have had with the virtual tabletop software. Yeah, we've got we've got uh, partnerships with Roll20, D20 Pro, Fantasy Grounds and um, Astral. And I'm sure I'm forgetting one, but um, I, I, my email will blow up on Monday and it'll tell me that I've been a bad partner um, for forgetting one of them. But um, <laughs> the uh, yeah, uh, so uh, we're trying to get as much content as we can into their native marketplaces, as well as providing um, uh, 
assets to our customers who've already perhaps purchased the digital versions of things uh, to more easily integrate into those tabletops. So, um, you know, Fantasy Grounds, D20, uh, I'm sorry, Fantasy Grounds and Roll20 um, both have um, pretty extensive catalogs of Pathfinder and Starfinder material that you can just buy straight from their marketplace um, using our, uh, an API that, that connects to the Paizo store so that if you already own a PDF of Extinction Curse, for example, um, you'll get a discount when you buy the Extinction Curse um, package uh, to run that campaign in their, their tabletop. Um, but we've also um, released uh, uh, digital uh, packages on, on our Paizo.com downloads for things like our... Um, uh, card decks. So if you want to import the critical hit or critical fumble decks yourself into the VTT of your choice, you now have those art assets if you own the digital version of that. And that's something that um, I was on um, uh, family leave in uh, the spring. And when I came back, I, I left from the office and I came back to my home office. Um, one of the first things that they uh, that Eric said, in addition to welcome to um, you know, working from home indefinitely land um, was also, since everyone's playing games online, I want you to figure out how to get as much content onto those marketplaces as possible. So that's, that's largely been a, a, a big portion of my job mm -hmm. in the last few months. Um, we uh, have plans to uh, get more of our map products, uh, more of our... Um, uh, card products and things natively into the marketplaces mm -hmm. on the um, on the the various VTTs. Um, we're working on trying to get some of the API uh, intricacies worked out to provide uh, discounts on on some of those as well. Um, the goal is that if you own it on Paizo.com, you'll be able to get it as cheaply as possible on the other. VTTs mm. of your choice, but also of uh, revising what formats we're providing to people on our own site. Um, we will uh, start at some point in the near future. Mm. I still need to work out the, the timeline exactly. Um, be adding um, JPEGs to the downloadable uh, uh, Game Mastery and, and Pathfinder map lines um, so that if you own a uh, digital you know, currently a PDF of one of our uh, maps, you'll get JPEGs or PNGs that you can upload straight into the the VTT of your choice. That'd be um, useful. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah especially or, with like or if edges you, or, cropped off, so it fits the grid by default. Stuff like that would be really cool. Where, yeah, yeah, because the the PDF includes the the little like quarter of a grid around the edge mm -hmm. that um, that gets mm -hmm. chopped off when they're they're manufactured. Um, mm -hmm. We're making sure that the grid. Um, or that the dimensions of the, the JPEGs are um, such that it, it should line up uh, with yeah. the grid. Um, Fantastic. Yeah, I mean, that's a goal. Um, we've got like over 100 of these. We've got, I think it's like 140 some maps wow. that we need to go back and try wow. and add this stuff to. So wow. it's, a, it's a big task. Um, I'm, I'm personally trying to prioritize the flip tiles because those are the mm -hmm. most work to load into a VTT. So I could see the most GMs wanting to just buy the preloaded 
you know, forest map tile starter set from roll 20 or from uh, mm-hmm. fantasy grounds or, or what, what have you, instead of uploading the 80 some files themselves mm-hmm. um, as the person who's been uploading those into <laughs> those to test them out, I can say that that's not fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, we'll have more coming from that. Um, but for the time being, um, uh, all of the stuff on those marketplaces is being produced by the the partners. Um, but we're working on trying to get some of our own stuff up there mm-hmm. uh, without relying on on the, the our VTT partners who who also have to support dozens of other games worth of content. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, so we can just get those up ourselves. Uh, that's coming soon. Well, speaking of coming up soon, we are going to have a lot of more coverage here on our Gen Con 2020 presentation, starting with Ask the Experts Pathfinder RPG right after the break from this panel. Uh, So do make sure that you all stick with us. Uh, Mark, we have uh, run out of time for this presentation, but it has been absolutely wonderful to get to spend this time with you and geek out about- This is why I don't come on No Direction anymore, is because you always always kick me off before I'm done talking. I mean, if I could have a seven-hour Mark Marlin episode, I would do it. But, like, the uh, unfortunately, we've got other content to get to. Hey, so, Mark, what are you doing Monday? Because we'll just, you know. What am I doing Monday? Yeah, I'm we'll just making... hang around on Twitch all day long. Just okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That'd be great. I like That'd it. be great. Yeah. It'll be one of those hanging out videos where you just watch me work and I don't say anything. <laughs> Well, I'll work and you'll work and we'll, uh-huh. just, we'll yeah. just talk every once in a while. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> Let's do it. Okay, everyone, we will be right back with right after the break. We hope that you all stick around. And for those of you who are interested in some of the fantastic products we have just been mentioning, remember that there is a 20% off discount code running through all of Gen Con. It is Gen Con 2020 at Paizo.com. You definitely uh, want to take advantage of that uh, if you can uh, there and for those of you who are wondering what no direction is like Kazansan, we are the longest running um, and in my opinion greatest uh, Pathfinder news reviews interviews podcast uh, that talks about all things Paizo geekiness and we've expanded the network to cover Starfinder and all sorts of fantastic fantastic content and you can find out more about us over at nodirectionpodcast.com um, where you will find the interviews like this as well as pretty much Every PaizoCon and Gen Con uh, since Pathfinder's been a thing, we have panel recordings that go all the way back to those early, early days when you all were really hopeful that you would sell out of that stack of CRBs that was secretly a table. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everyone, we will be right back right after the break. See you all soon. No Direction Network's PaizoCon Online 2020 seminar coverage was made possible by the KDCon team, consisting of Jefferson J. Thacker, also known as Param, Ryan Costello, Alexander Agunas, Monica Marlowe, Vanessa Hoskins, Dustin Knight, and Andrew Sturtevant. For more great Pathfinder, Starfinder, and other RPG news, reviews, podcasts, and blogs, check out nodirectionpodcast.com. <laughs>